Hello, welcome to the Canine Aptitude Podcast, where we give everyday solutions to the everyday dog owner. I'm Shayna. And I'm Emily, and today's topic is my dog won't come when called at a dog park. So let's do our beer first. Okay. Today we have Sugar Creek Brewing Company, and it is an India Pale Ale called the Big Blood Orange. It has a giant orange and fish on it. Yeah, in a air balloon. In a hot, hot air, air balloon. balloon. Have you ever had it? <laughs> I have not. I have not I... either. But I am an IPA gal, so mm. uh, I'm a little nervous, though, because <laughs> of the orange. I'm a stout and porter girl, yeah. so we'll see. Oh, wow. See, I don't even really do IPAs, but it has a nice orange citrusy. Oh, wow. It's like ha- almost hazy. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm. So smooth. That's mm. a good summer drink right there. It is. <laughs> Too bad it's on 35 degrees outside. Whenever. <laughs> All right. So... All right, so tell us our story here. Em. Yes. So we have, um, this is from a, a lady, a young lady. And the client contact that we got says, Hi, my dog is a 14-month-old male German Shepherd and loves other dogs. Loves is in capital letters there. <laughs> <laughs> loves other dogs. We've been taking him to the dog park at least once a week for his entire life, and he has always done great. The problem has been that catching him to take him home has been harder and harder in the last few months. He is so stubborn. When we call him, he will either ignore us, look at us, and run the opposite direction, or if he thinks we have a treat, he might come back, but just stay out of arm's reach. We've resorted to bribing him or grabbing him when distracted, which is not ideal. Uh, I just want him to come when I say come. I know he understands, but just won't do it. Please help. Oh, that's got to be so frustrating. Yeah. One of the things oh that I've found with clients is recall is so important to them yeah. because it makes them believe that they have a connection with their dog. If their dog comes, the minute that they say come, that means that they have this semblance of control that they right. can make their dog do anything at the drop of a hat. They can stop doing something and they can come right back to them and they can be a team yes. together. And so if your dog doesn't do that, it feels like a slight on you. It feels like how yeah. dare you diss me like that. It makes right. us feel this weird, vulnerable feeling of I'm the human here. <laughs> Why are you not listening to me? And it can make us feel really uncomfortable. And that discomfort can really hurt our thought process because yes. it triggers us. And yep. especially when other people are hearing you call your dog and watching your dog not come, yep. that embarrassment gets in there yep. and you start being really uncomfortable. And then you automatically are thinking he needs to come now. Right. And we, we immediately start heading into this. I need to stop this. I, he needs to be in trouble. He's being disobedient. Yeah. And what I always try to explain to my clients is that that's not how their brain's operating. Their brain is operating in a completely different path. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is, is that when we look at what the dog is actually thinking about in that moment, it has nothing to do with trying to diss the owner. Right. And or trying to break that connection. Right. Yeah, that it's, does, that's it's not just, happening. It's, it's so frustrating when you're in that moment. So if this is you, if, you know, if, if what I'm telling clients, like, if this is you, take a breath. We feel stressed because people are watching. It's not as stressful when we're watching, you know, when we call them from the backyard. Right. It's stressful oh, at a dog park yeah. because people are watching. Yeah. So take a breath, reset yourself, figure out if you're triggered or not, and then address the problem. Yeah. But it's really difficult to get through those emotions. And that's the first step is really identifying if we're triggered or not before we can help our dog. Right. And recall should be something I think that everybody should teach their dog. Mm -hmm. And this is how we're going to, I mean, we're going to help you out how to teach that, but not only for that connection, but for the safety aspect too. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, like what if what if she goes in that dog park and then a dog fight breaks out or mm-hmm. um, something happens where maybe a child falls on the ground like that that kind of stuff you would want to be able to call away from. So, all right. In our podcast, we go through APTR assess, prevent, and teach protocol here or action plan. So our first step is going to be assess. So, what does that mean? So what we're looking at body language, the environment. And what is going on as a whole picture? So give me a little bit about what you think maybe this dog is displaying. Maybe from the blurb. Did she say anything about body language? Um, She had said that he looks and runs in the opposite direction, ignores them, or stays just out of arm's reach. Which that tells me Mm. when when I hear a client describe that, because a lot of our assessments are going to be a client describing exactly what they see in the body. And I'm going to ask really pointed questions. And what those things tell me is that either he doesn't understand. Right. Because he's just clearly ignoring the word. So maybe he doesn't know what that word means. Mm -hmm. Or he's confused. Or maybe he knows that that means they might be going home. Or he's just avoiding. And so if he's staying out of arm's reach, why would that be? Right. Because he's afraid of getting grabbed. And if he's afraid of getting grabbed, why would that be? So it's looking at from a dog's perspective, why might they be not coming back? If they understand what to do... Maybe it's because their safety is in question or they've been punished in the past. So when you're looking at assessing why a behavior is happening, we need to look at the body language. And in this case, in a dog park, what we usually see is avoidance. Yep. We see the dog avoiding the human. Generally happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Having a great time with <laughs> yeah. the other dogs. Right. Yeah. That has no reason to go back to that boring human. Right. Because boring human holds a leash that traps them and also controls whether they leave or not. And if they're yeah. having a great time, why would they want to go back to the fun ruiner they're the fun they're the broccoli in the dog <laughs> the fun park sucker. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the fun sucker in the dog park we, we don't want to be the fun sucker we want to bring fun to dogs so right. if a dog's avoiding you in a dog park that gives us a huge amount of information that they are struggling with this particular situation because we stand for something unpleasant right how far away are they standing? Are they facing you? Yep. Are they? Do their ears go back as they come up to you? Are they laying on the ground and showing their belly? All these things are showing that they're not comfortable with the situation, and we need to fix that. Yeah, and I think the thing that strikes me in her um, contact was we've resorted to bribing him or grabbing him when distracted. That grabbing him when distracted part is probably the reason why the dog is staying away from her. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. knows if he gets distracted or if he gets his eye off of that owner, um, then she's going to grab him and take him home. And that's what we yeah. um, don't want. She said, which is not ideal. And if you also look, if, they're, if he hears this word and then runs in the opposite direction... He understands something about that word. Right. But it means go home. <laughs> the wrong association right. with that word. <laughs> so dogs don't know yeah. what words mean. Words mean things to us. Right. We make our own associations. So if we associate come with leave the dog park, he doesn't know that come means come. He just knows that that word means he has to go home. One of the other things we want to look at is does this happen all the time? Or does it only happen when there's you know, five dogs or 10 dogs or only happen when there's certain dogs that are sprinting or certain dogs that are playing ball. Is it all the time? What about if they're alone in the dog park? Do they typically come back to you just fine? Probably because there's not very many distractions. So the environment is going to play a huge role in how this behavior plays out. Is it only when they're super amped up? Is it only toward the end? In the beginning, they're pretty good that they can come back. Right. But it's at the end when they're, you know, super tired and they've been running around for a half hour and now is when they're, they just can't come back to you. So we want to look at those patterns of behavior and figure out 
is it you? Is it your husband? Is it anybody? Is it the person holding the leash? Is it the person holding the ball? Is it when you're standing near the gate or when you're in the middle of the dog park? All these things matter to dogs. Yeah. And I love when I hear the story of people taking their dogs to the dog park and then somebody says the word come and the dog goes to that person. Like it's not the (laughs) owner, it's somebody else. But that's probably because the dog doesn't have an association with that particular person Mm -hmm. that they are going to leash them up and take them out of the dog park. Yep. So yeah, it's very, yeah. Or you have a dog that, yeah. Or you have a dog (laughs) that, you know, the owner calls the dog and the dog runs over happily to that owner and so do five other dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you like treats. And so they're like, I can't take you all home. And everybody's like, why don't you come to me like that? Uh It's it's because that person has never leashed them up, has never grabbed them when distracted, has never done any of these things. And those history patterns matter. Yes. Which is why I can walk into a house and get a much different response from a dog than the owners can. It's because I'm a new person. I don't have any of those patterns, any of that history to go along with it. I'm a brand new person showing them brand new information. And most people just think we're magical, but... Right. (laughs) I swear we're not magical. We promise we're not. Yeah, and another thing I want to point out is the phrase, he's so stubborn. A stubborn dog does not exist. That phrase and that word is used a lot to label a dog that Mm -hmm. just hasn't been reinforced enough times. Or practiced enough times doing that behavior in that particular environment because being stubborn is really knowing what you want and and purposefully doing the opposite but yes if, it, if if what we want them to do pays off for them because remember they're a different species yeah and so when we want them to sit and they want to go say hello to a dog sitting doesn't make sense so it's not right. that they're stubborn that they won't sit it's because they want to go say hi to a dog right that's, which is more rewarding to them in that moment right yeah exactly so they're just <laughs> they're fun? very um egotistical in that way is that they right. they're worrying about their safety and their reinforcements all the time right and we just need to make sure that we play into those things rather than labeling them right as stubborn because usually it means either we don't know how to teach them mm-hmm. or they are confused yes which is almost 90 percent when i hear a dog that is stubborn when i say okay show it to me the dog doesn't know what the, what the owner wants and once you give them <laughs> a little bit of feedback the dog's doing the best they can with what we've given them right and so if what we've given them is not very clear that's what creates that the look of a stubborn dog yeah but really it's just the really confused dog that wants to do well and doesn't know how yep and that's what we're gonna help you mm-hmm. with <laughs> so We've assessed, we've, we understand now why the dog is doing it to some degree. So it looks like here that the dog is not coming back because it has some kind of negative association with being leashed up, going out of the dog park. Whenever that, that word come happens, you, bad things happen. Not necessarily bad, but just uncomfortable or not very fun things happen. Right. They would rather be with the dogs. So if you become a slightly unsafe person because you're angry or your tone is angry, your face is angry, already number one we have some we have a hit against us and then the right. second thing is we're not giving them anything good we're we're actually giving mm. them something bad, bad. we're taking yeah. them out of the dog park right so we have we have a double whammy against us yeah. by calling a dog that is uncomfortable with moving toward us at a dog park and then leashing them up and leaving with them whenever we're looking at trying to change behavior we need to look at safety first and then what's getting the dog the good stuff because those are the two things dogs care about and if we look at behavior from those two things you will see the behavior in a different light. So now we know why. Let's go ahead and talk about the next step, which is prevention. So how would we prevent 
something like this from happening over and over and over again. Because what's happening here is this person's going to the dog park and then calling her dog and saying that word come 17 times. And now the dog understands that the word come means nothing. <laughs> right? It's just, it's just the word that means mom's going to get mad soon. Yep. I'm going to get <laughs> leashed up. Oh boy. I might I'll get a treat. May not. Yeah. I'll just run real fast. Yeah. That's how this is going to go. <laughs> and, you know, and that also points out that a lot of times dogs will start some fool around stress. Yeah. Right there. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. even if they do come, they're going to start mouthing your arms and biting at your leash and doing all sorts of crazy things that we then look at as misbehavior, but really it's a formation of stress that I was stressed out and now you have me and I have no way to get rid of this. So now I'm going to jump and act like a crazy puppy. I can totally see this German shepherd, Mm -hmm. like play bowing, barking. Oh yeah. (laughs) Biting at the leash and the owner's trying to push the dog away and you know, the dog keeps jumping up and is getting more forceful now and now other dogs are coming in and now the dog is leashed more and it's this giant problem that can all be fixed if we just help the recall be more positive. And then so, prevent those scenarios from Right, so them. avoid difficult situations until the dog is consistently doing it. So we want to avoid situations where they have the opportunity to ignore. So that means no more dog park. It, it sounds like for this for particular dog, bit, yeah, yeah, temporarily, I would mm-hmm. think. We know that they can't handle that, so how do we get them the physical exercise they need? We take them mm-hmm. to smaller mm-hmm. fenced areas with maybe one dog. Yeah. where we know we can get them back from that dog because it's a well-known dog and it's a smaller area. Right. So there should be no issue in just walking up to the dog and leashing them up rather than right. using that word when we know they're not going to respond. Remember, we want to prevent unwanted behavior. We want them to practice the behavior we want over and over and over again so it can become habitual. If they are practicing the unwanted behavior, the unwanted behavior is getting stronger. And yes. we don't want that. We want them to practice the right behavior. So that means right. we need to set our environment up so that they can be successful. So yep. first thing, take them out of behavior where the behavior is ha- or take them on, out of the environment that the behavior is happening in and put them in a new area so that they can practice being more successful. So a right. smaller fenced area, maybe somebody's backyard, uh, maybe your backyard, maybe you have play dates at your house with a dog or maybe two dogs in your own backyard. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, let's say that this person, cause we, I don't know the context as far as where this person lives. Maybe this person doesn't have a backyard which kind of sucks for the German Shepherd. But, um, but let's say that this person doesn't have a backyard. There is something that I heard of. I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of Sniff Spot? Mm-mm. That's another, like, there's an app where you can find an area and, like, rent it out. What? Like a backyard or, like, a fenced-in area That's so that it, one single dog can go and have fun in a new space so that German Shepherd gets new smells and gets to explore. Oh, wow. Um, without... Tons of mental enrichment oh, there rather gosh. than just the physical running aspect, but just mental enrichment of, like, a new area with new wildlife smells and all that. Right. That's so an awesome. app called Sniff Spot. <laughs> I haven't used it yet, but I think, it, I think it's going to be really neat. Another thing that we can do is leash them. We can leash the dog and that might be a long line. So maybe they only have 20 feet when we go places and we are practicing that recall over and over again or not using it at all and just reeling the dog in when we're ready to go home. So instead of allowing them to be off leash when they are unable to come back to us, we put a leash system on them (laughs) and make sure if you're using a long line, long lines can be a little bit dangerous if you don't know how to use them. So if you're using anything longer than like a 10, 12 foot leash, make sure the dog is harnessed so that you take that pressure off the neck. It can be very dangerous for them and make sure you never are wrapping around your hand or body or anything because dogs can take you down very quickly, especially Especially that German shepherd, (laughs) a large dog like a German shepherd. Yes. So make sure you get a little bit of practice in before you start taking that on the go. So avoiding those situations, not bringing them to the dog park, finding other fenced areas for fun run play and making sure that we leash up in situations where we know they're probably not going to be able to respond 
yet. yet yet right yeah and speaking of that so we mentioned how you know you go to the dog park this lady's going and saying that word 17 times and now it really is just means nothing so the dog has learned that that word is irrelevant to them so my thing in order to prevent that from happening is to stop using the word mm-hmm. altogether. don't even say that word come anymore not even your house. <laughs> and I think Teach something new. Some of the word come is so overly used yes. because it's used inside, outside, come to get this treat, come to take a bath, come into your crate, come over here, come away from that window, come away from that dog. Everything is come, 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 come all the time. And right. so does it real? does your dog think it means what you think it means or is there a disconnect there? So yep. the easiest way is to just stop using that word completely and we're going to rebuild a different brand new association with right. a different word. And you can have some fun with that word. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> and then I guess the last thing for prevent would be to give other types of exercise. There are far mm-hmm. more ways to exercise a dog than blind running with dogs at a dog park. That is one way. There's probably a hundred ways that you could exercise a dog and getting their brain working rather than just running socially with dogs is a great opportunity. So long line walks, Flirt pole work. If you don't know what a Mm. flirt pole is, it's like a cat teaser toy for dogs. So they could do that in, you know, on a long line in a ball field somewhere. Yeah. And that dog, five minutes, and that dog is going to be more worn out than 20 minutes at the dog park. Yeah. And you're going to have success. You're not going to have them blowing a recall. And you're not going to have to worry about any of the other dogs. And you get to reward all sorts of things. The drops and coming and all sorts of things. And the cool thing about the the flirt pole or any kind of tug toy, what kind of connection is that building? It's building a connection with you being that fun thing in that Mm -hmm. environment. So I think that's that's really, really good. Yeah, and it sounds like this owner, that's the one thing that has started to wane in the last couple months. You know, they they were a puppy and then they started to grow up and you're not so great anymore as a human. Right. You're the broccoli in a world of cupcakes. And so (laughs) why would I come back to you when you're a pretty boring human and there's all this amazing stuff? And so some of these other types of exercise create a level of connection with your dog where they will want to listen to you when there's cupcakes around. Yes. Even though you're pretty boring. So scent work, hiking on leash, getting your Mm -hmm. dog on a good hike together with them is going to be really connecting. Yep. Body awareness exercises, which is like yoga or parkour for dogs. It's getting them to understand that they do have back legs and they can use them separately from their front. And that there'll be a video in the show notes about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yeah. So lots of ways to prevent, but main thing is that we're avoiding those difficult situations. And then as we are preventing this and we're not using that word anymore, now we would like to think about, okay, how can we teach a new word or how can we teach the dog to come back to us every single time, even in that kind of environment. So first thing would be to use a new word. So what are some words that you can, Oh, this is so fun because you can be so creative. Um, I've had a couple nerds use things like uh, Harry Potter for, uh, references. <laughs> yep. um, you just want to use something that the dog is not going to hear in their regular yeah. life. Don't use their name. Don't use words that you typically say to your toddler. Yep. When you say words to your toddler that are very simple and, you know, one word or two words and your dogs know those words as recall words, you're ruining your recall because now they hear them often. Yes. So it should be something that they do not hear ever. It is a sacred word that they only hear in the context of, I need you to come to me right now. It is an emergency. Yes. And so yeah. some words that I have people is like, they can have real connotations, real words that make sense. So target here with me by my side so you can say side anything that means like 
come to me in this general direction. But then you could have random ones like yeah. <laughs> cookie or treat or cheese. How many times have you seen somebody trying to get their dog back and saying, you want a treat? You want a treat? Yep. <laughs> because the dog knows that as a positive association. So it's working Every as a recall. Time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can use that word because remember, we make our own associations. The dog yeah. already has a great association with that word. Why not use it? So if you have, if you give your dog yogurt every morning and they know the word yogurt, use yogurt as your recall <laughs> word. Yep. So, or you can just use nonsense words. They can just be sounds. If you have kids that are going to ruin words, don't use them around your children. It should be sacred. Right. We will put a recall word list of a bunch of options because I know it's hard to think about something that oh kind gosh. of is a silly. Overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll put some options in the show notes of words that you can use to yep. rebuild. Um, I personally use target. And mine is find me. I used to use here. Well, I used to use come. It got ruined by people using it in my house, like random friends and stuff. <laughs> and then uh, I started using here, but that got ruined as well. So then we just landed on target and nobody has been able to ruin that one yet. So. Yeah. Nobody knows it. I love it. <laughs> um, so this new word, what do we need to do to create the association? First of all, is thinking about, again, your environment. And when you're teaching something brand new, you need to make sure that you're teaching that new word in an environment where they feel safe, comfortable, and where they're taking food. Right, and they're not distracted. And they're not distracted, mm -hmm. right. So in your house, in your living room, uh, in the hallway. In a bathroom, if you have multiple children. Yeah. Just anywhere that is a small, distraction-free location. Yes, yep. And what you would do first is start with small distance. So the dog needs to be in the same room as you, not in the, a separate room. It mm -hmm. needs to be like a couple feet away from you. Say the word, present the food. Say the word, present the food. Just to make that association very clear that whenever the dog hears that word, we give good stuff. Our dogs have associations with all sorts of things. If I Crinkle say bags. the word F-R-I-S-B-E-E -E right now, oh. I will have a certain friend <laughs> that will not leave me alone because she loves to play. So we create these all the time yeah. by accident. This is just a purposeful association. Yes. That's all we're doing here. So we're pairing this word with this food or yeah. this toy or whatever your dog absolutely loves. And in this case, high value food is gonna be the easiest because it's easy to carry around with us. We can control and they get continue to get hungry every day. Every so single day. So we can day. keep giving them food. <laughs> yes. Whereas we can't keep playing ball for hours and hours and hours every day. You got it. Yeah. Um, so controlled opportunities to practice this word and practice it often, not just when you have food on your hip, not just when you go into the fridge and pull out food and then walk into that bedroom because then guess what the association is? With the fridge. <laughs> not with the word right because you keep going to the fridge so use it when i sometimes do it when i'm cooking food and i have leftovers yeah so i just use my recall word i surprise them oh look and that mom's giving out free stuff cool fantastic yeah so using that word to continually create associations and we want this word to mean free rewards come find me wherever i am at i'm giving out free stuff if somebody was in the street right now and every time they put the air horn they were throwing out hundred dollar bills you better believe every time i heard an air horn i'd be running outside as fast as i could because what if somebody else takes all the hundred dollar bills and i can't get them anymore right. so we want them to understand that it means come now because yeah. there is food being given out now do not be stingy right <laughs> so you want to be giving out full, generous amounts of the good stuff. Yes. You are a giver. <laughs> Say it right now. I I'm am a, a giver. giver. <laughs> oh, my God. But wait, what if they won't come? So mm. I called my dog. I'm cooking chicken, and he's upstairs, and I call him, and he doesn't come. That's something that we'll hear. Oh, yeah. Say. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And all that means is 
You went too fast. With, yeah. They're not ready to be upstairs while you're downstairs with their reward yet. They don't have that strong of an, of an association yet. Right. Maybe you still need to be in the room from them. Maybe you need to practice being around the corner. Maybe you need to practice while they're sleeping. Maybe they're sleeping upstairs and they just didn't hear you. Maybe you need to say it louder. I've heard some mm, people that's true. Yeah. <laughs> who are just not so clear when they say their words. They're like, hey, okay. puppy, uh, come here. Come here. And their word is come. But there were so many other sounds in there, right. and it was very difficult for them to pick out what word they're supposed to be responding to. Yeah. We speak a random language to them, yeah. and they just have to pick out words that we care about. <laughs> so yeah. it's so much easier for them if it's clear. If it's, Fido, here, that is very clear that you're talking to them. Mm -hmm. And they can hear you because you are saying it loudly. Yes. Does it need to be, here? No. <laughs> we want to use something that sounds pleasant. Yeah. Because... Saying things angrily usually doesn't get our dogs to do what we want. You got it. So Yeah. So if your dog is struggling, then go back a step. Mm -hmm. That's really all we're saying there. And so when you teach that new word and they're really pretty solid in the house, what we need to do next is to apply distance and distraction with your word. I'm not saying your dog 100% knows this word and they're totally, they, they know uh, every single time you say that, that they're going to do that in the dog park because that's not going to happen. And it's probably what started this problem originally is yes. the dog knew it at home, but they started applying it at the dog park. And that's like being able to do step one and then you're quizzing me on step 100. Yes. There's a lot of things in between there that we need to work on. Don't forget those do steps. It. Yeah, those are super mm -hmm. important steps. Things that you could try is you could go to that field, maybe where you're doing that flirt pull or tug work or letting your dog sniff, and then having them on a 10, 15 foot lead and then practicing that word in that environment. But what happens there? Like, okay, so you've been using food in the house. And let's say that um, you take the food out into the environment and the dog's either not eating or maybe like kind of coming back but isn't really that interested. What, what, what can we do with that? My favorite game to play then is called Recall, Reward, Release. Oh. So oh, yeah, if yeah. the dog loves the environment more than what you're giving, mm -hmm. use the environment as your reward. Remember, we can control our environment just by taking a dog off leash or leading them up to an area that smells good. So if we know that there's a bush in the corner of the yard that they cannot come away from because they love it so much because all the neighborhood dogs pee on it, use it as your reward. You know your dog likes it. Instead of thinking of it as a distraction, think of it as a reward. Yeah. You don't need to think about things as you need to stay away from that. We just need to think about things as we can use that to our advantage. Yes. So we stand away from it, maybe just a few feet. We call their name. We use our word. If they don't come immediately, if they're not, if their ears don't go back, maybe we can use a little or a little kissy noise. We can even show them food. Say, look what I have. Come away from that thing. Here's some chicken. Now, now go back go. <laughs> and sniff that yeah. bush. And you're going to do it five times in a row. You're yeah. going to do it ten times in a row. It's not just a one and done thing. This is hundreds of times where you are calling your dog away from something that they might find awesome. Saying, look what I have. And now you get to go back. Yes. That double bonus is what will teach your dog that it always pays off to respond to you, even in the face of high, high, high level distractions. Yes. Because if you teach them that concept in small situations like your yard, when they're at a dog park, if you call them away from five dogs running by, they're going, oh, mom must have something better than five dogs running by. <laughs> 
<laughs> because she only calls me when she has something better than what I'm experiencing right now. Right. So you now dog gets to run to you. Running is fun. Yes. Dog gets to get steak. Steak is fun. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> dog gets to now turn back and sprint after those other dogs. Yes. Chasing is fun. Yeah. Your dog just got three rewards instead of hearing their word and going, oh, no. I don't want to go home. Now I have to stop running. Everything sucks. We we don't want them to feel that way. We want them to go, oh my gosh, all the good stuff. Disneyland doors just opened. Amazing (laughs) things start happening when I hear that magical word. That's what we want our dogs to think. So games like recall, reward, release. Other games like recall, and then you run away from them. Oh, I love that dogs one. Dogs love chasing. <laughs> I love that. That works so well. I can't get my dogs. They're like Velcro dogs when I play that game. Yeah. I can't even get them to move away. I usually have to like toss something in the grass that like gets them to move away just so I can run because they love the game so much. And if you have a dog that loves tugging, if you have a dog that loves that, hide it in your jacket, say your recall word, run away. And when they catch up, throw whatever you have. Yep. You become this amazing giver of things rather than this ruiner of fun. You're not a fun sucker. You're a fun giver. You hold all the fun stuff. Yep. So when we're doing those double rewards, it should always be food and then freedom, food and then tug. We always give a double reward. They get to go back to what they were doing. We're not saying you must stop doing that thing and choose me instead. We're saying you can have both. And then that creates a dog that in the case where you do have to take them away from something, it's a lot easier. For yeah. Them to come or to they're them. sprinting down the road because your leash broke and you need yeah. them to come and you don't have anything on you. Yeah. They're going to think you do because yeah. of how often you practice. So when you get them back and they come happily and you grab them by their collar and you walk them back inside and then give them something once you get back in the house, no harm, no foul. It doesn't matter. Right. Because they were like, sweet, I'll wait. I know you have something for me somewhere. This is still a positive experience. So we just want to make sure that when we're applying it, we're making sure we go through all the baby steps. We don't just teach them one thing indoors in our boring house and then try to apply at the most exciting location ever. So we start indoors, then we practice outdoors, maybe in a known outdoor location, then we start building to more and more distractions. I like to think of distance and distraction like a volume equalizer. So you know on like CDs or like on um, when you look at music and you see all the little levels going up and down. Oh, yeah. So I like to think about distance and distraction like a volume equalizer. So if your distance is high, Mm-hmm. like a volume equalizer. The other one should be low when you're starting out. Oh, and if your distraction cool. is high, then your distance needs to be low. So you're always making sure that you're working on one thing at a time. And as your dog gets better, you can start making them more equal. You can have the dog be pretty far away and listening to a dog bark in the distance or and watching a cat walk across the road. So all of these distractions matter that we're practicing, practicing, practicing all the time. Yeah, what are some other, um, because I think games are really important for this type of work too. We do a lot of games with all kinds of training, but this particular cue that you want to teach your dog is going to be, like games, it's going to be the thing to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make it fun. So what are some other things that we can do? I think I've heard of um, a game called Cookies in the Corner. Yeah, that's that's, um, Susan Garrett. Susan Garrett, yeah. Yeah. And I, that's one of the games that I started when I started doing off-leash work with my dogs. So Cookies in the Corner is a great way to start that. And the idea is, is you start in a corner. So the dog is completely, 100% successful because they have nowhere else to go. They have a corner and they have your face. (laughs) So you are standing, the dog is in between you and the corner and you toss something like kibble, something fairly low value, but maybe still food. And you toss it into the corner and they go into the corner and they eat it up. And just as they are finishing their food, you use that word because you know what the next behavior is going to be. You know that dog is going to turn and look at you because they have no other option. They're in a corner. Right. (laughs) So they're going to turn their body and look at you. So you're getting the behavior you want. 
100% of the time. Yes. So you can use that word and then you can start moving away and you're going to increase their, their speed by doing that because they want to catch up to you. And then when they catch up to you, you give them a higher value reward. So they are like, sweet, let me run and go get this kibble, but then let me turn and sprint and go get chicken. Yeah. I love this game. My human is amazing. I love chasing (laughs) after her rather than when I come back to my human, she's boring and mad at me. Off leash control is about your dog not wanting to leave you and wanting to be experiencing the world with you. And whether that's a three foot leash, a 30 foot leash or off leash, it doesn't matter because they're already with us. The leash is just a safety backup. Prevention. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Another game that um, Emily had mentioned was puppy ping pong. Yeah. Oh, I love puppy ping pong. Yeah. So you take one owner and maybe a kid. Maybe you have a child in the house that loves to train your dog, or maybe it's just your spouse. And you guys are literally just calling the dog back and forth, either in your home, if your dog's still learning the word, or maybe you're practicing that in your backyard as well. I've had people do inside and outside. One person's outside. Oh, that's good. So if you have a dog that won't come back inside, yeah, like because they know you're going to shut the door and then they can't go outside anymore. Yep. One person's inside, one person's outside. That's brilliant because the dog gets to go back out. Right. (laughs) And then gets rewarded. And then, yeah. Uh Oh my gosh. So yeah, bouncing back and forth. That's why it's ping pong. So it's bounce, 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 back and forth between those owners, always getting rewards every single time. I love puppy ping pong too, because if you do have several people that take care of your dog, then have those people practice the recall because everybody's going to say that word differently. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have an accent or maybe they have a higher pitch or a lower pitch, or maybe their body language is a little bit different. Like men tend to be a little bit more stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that would, I think that's a really great way to also just generalize that word in all kinds of different tones. You just hit on another tip too. Standing and facing a dog and calling them to you body language wise Mm. is very confrontational Yes, because we're asking them to walk directly at us and we're staring at them as they walk back to us. So an easier way to just get better compliance from a dog is to just turn our body or start moving in the direction we want them to go in. If you're doing puppy ping pong, but you find that your dog is slowing down, it's because you're facing head on, right? Turn your body, take 90 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Not even that much. Like literally just turn your shoulders. Just be looking over your shoulder at your dog and you're going to notice that your dog will come not only to you, but probably swing around the other side because your body is so much softer and is communicating what you want. And then surprising them. I think you mentioned this before, like making it random. So not doing it again when you're pulling out food, but doing it when you don't have food on you and you call your dog to you and then you go to the fridge mm-hmm. or you go grab that bag of treats from the cabinet or whatever. So making it this thing that sometimes happens and then when it does, it's always awesome. So we want her to flip the script teach that new word, prevent situations where he can ignore it, and then start using that new word in increasingly distracting environments so that she can continually reward and release, reward and release over and over and over again. So that coming back is no big deal because we practice it all the time. So in the event that it is an emergency, they don't know. Right. They don't know it's an emergency. So there's so many fun things that we can do with recall that build connection and that will fix this right up. Yeah, no sure. problem. The last step is bringing in dogs. What you guys finding? <laughs> um, Gotta protect the house. That's right. Is bringing in dogs. So one by one, maybe practicing with a dog that is known. So practicing having that dog come over to your house or going to that person's house and having them play. So getting all of that satiated first and then getting close to your dog and practicing the recall and release, recall and release. 
food and freedom, food and freedom, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then adding distance with that, adding another dog, um, and then slowly building that up over time so we can go back to that dog park and have amazing recall. And, and everybody's going to be so impressed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you're going to feel super amazing. Yeah. And I guess the only troubleshooting that you're going to find while you're doing this is if your dog doesn't respond. And if your dog doesn't respond, that means something went wrong. Either they didn't hear you or there's something that they're finding more distracting than you think it is. Right. And so you need to cut that distance down. That's usually the first thing you do. If your dog is going to ignore a recall, you cut that distance down immediately because that's usually what's going on is they're more distracted. So you need to cut the distance down so that they, you're more in their proximity. Yeah. And practice. Don't just pull them away from maybe there's a bunnies under the bush. You thought it was just a bush, but then they found bunnies under the bush so now holy moly that's a huge distraction right so maybe your dog doesn't come back maybe they don't even they don't even hear you they're so focused on those bunnies so you cut that distance down and you realize they're still focused on whatever it is mm. you physically go to their face and you help them move away from it you are always going to be adjusting as you do this with your dog you're always going to be using opportunities when they arise and it's seeing them as opportunities not tests for your dog. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities to build that association, to build it stronger and stronger and stronger. Not a test for, well, if you don't come, you don't get anything and I'll punish you. I really love that. And that <laughs> that's great. That's a hard spot that people put themselves in without realizing it. Right. Is they're testing their dog and then, well, now we're forced to believe that they we need to do something to them because they didn't respond when we just need to continue to build and build and build all the time. Yep. When we have the opportunity, because there's times when we don't have the opportunity yeah. and that's okay, but it's gonna prevent so much frustration for owners. It's gonna prevent so much confusion for dogs if we just build it properly and then continue as they grow. So it's just, that's just how their brain operates now. They hear that word and they're running before they even realize they're running. Right. They just, they're like, oh wow. I My body's even... doing this and I don't know why. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're halfway to you and they're like, and I've done that before. Like yeah. my dog will literally be halfway to me and then like slow down and be like, wait, there was a squirrel over there. Like, <laughs> it's like her brain then kicked in to go, wait, do I, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Mom's going to send me back. Cool. Um, it's like when somebody random calls our name, even if they're not saying it to us, I I'll always go, yes, what, what do you need? Yeah. Like our bodies our do it. Response. Yeah. And it's, it's habitual and it's, it's just the way that our brains are operating in that moment is it's so strong there's such a strong connection with turning your body and doing this behavior that it happens it's a reactive now it's a reflex right we don't need to logically think about what we need to do when we hear this word it's yep. just a reflex you are teaching your dog a reflex awesome. start from the beginning build it properly you'll fix it awesome and then again show notes show notes show notes everything's going to be there lots of really good stuff so that you can practice if you have any questions um, you can find us on Instagram and message us mm -hmm. and we're happy to answer any questions that you have um, and follow us while you're there. Why not? There's some really <laughs> fun um, videos on you don't have to Instagram yep. where you will see recall reward release, lots of um, recalls off of wildlife and dogs running, dogs in the middle of play. You'll see tons of awesome, awesome recalls where you can see how it looks. You can see a dog that's being called from very far distances and then sent back to go have fun. Yep. So you, you can see a lot of that and it's really cool to see because that's basically what you're gonna start mimicking. Um, Great, and so oh, yeah. we're gonna wrap up 
Um, What's and next week? Yes, next week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, uh, because this is, I love this breed. So a male owner contacted one of us and said that he has a female hound that is counter surfing. Mm, <laughs> counter surfing is when they are looking for goodies. On that putting counter. Putting those paws on the counter, eating food, stealing food, licking crumbs. With that hound nose, stuff. man. That's going to be a good one. So um, a hound, female hound, jumping up on counters, looking for food, but only whenever the human is not in the room. Yeah. So when the, when the human's in the room, dog does fine. Dog doesn't jump up. Okay, but the human goes out of the room, and dog says, "All right, I can jump on the counters now." <laughs> so we're going to talk it, about that, you know. And and dad sounded really frustrated. Yes, really frustrated. <laughs> so yeah, here's here's your um, activity for, until next week. So practice, practice your recall, rebuild a new recall. Even if your recall is okay, or maybe you don't even go to the dog park, it's always great to rebuild a new recall. So if you want something fun to do with your dog build a new word with them. Yep. It's not going to hurt them. Um, But also your other activity is going to be see what you can start picking out of your brain for assessing a dog that's counter surfing. What do you think we're going to say? What do you think we are going to pull out of that body language, the environment patterns? What do you think we're going to talk about? So come back and see if you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because as we start doing this more and more, you're going to get really good Mm-hmm. at assessing why dogs do what they do and you get to see how good you are awesome yeah. until next time this is k9 aptitude podcast with shana and emily and we'll see you later bye <laughs>